and welcome to Forward the Hamlet. Forward the Hamlet is a new Dulwich Hamlet podcast featuring exclusive interviews with the manager, the players and the fans, covering all aspects of the club on and off the pitch. I'm Hugo Greenhouch. And I'm Jack McEnroy. The new season is upon us, and on this week's show we spoke to Gavin Rose about how pre-season went, and we'll take a look at how the team is shaping up. We also spoke to Jack Bagnall and Duncan Hart from the Supporters Trust about what they've been up to and their plans for the coming months. And we preview the forthcoming Kingstonian game with K's fan Jamie Cutteridge. The final pre-season game was against Toot in a Mitcham, which ended 3-all. And we spoke to Gavin Rose after the match. So how do you feel the pre-season's gone, Gavin? Um, average. Um, if we were to look at results, not very good. Uh, not very good, but obviously it's not all about results. It's about people getting fitness, um, getting a, an adaptability to how we want to play and set up. So... Uh, in that respect, it's not been too bad. And there's a number of new signings. Could maybe get a few words on uh, some of them? Yeah, we can. <laughs> you know, so the fans know what, what to expect, you know, those who have not bothered to come to free season. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, um, we've, we've got a lot of people who we've been looking at. Some signings we've named and some we haven't. <clears throat> uh, people we've been looking at. But in pre-season, at this level, they really are trying to impress us, every single one of them. Um, we're we're going to finalise our squad on Thursday. Um, some, of, some of them won't be starting the season with us. Um, and that will be over an assessment over the last seven, eight weeks um, since we started back. So, um, yeah, um, it's how football goes. Um, we need to round it off to about 18, 20 players now. You were saying about last season you got a bit short uh, towards the end of the season in terms of numbers. Uh, is that kind of bearing that in mind or we have yeah, to make we are more bear- signings? We are bearing on? that in mind. Um, we, we were very short in, well, in key areas as well. So once we had two or three out in key areas, we couldn't replace them. So we are bearing the squad in mind in terms of one or two key players being out we were able to replace them. Right? Obviously Gavin was keeping his cards close to his chest, but a fairly clear first eleven is starting to emerge. So in goal, we've taken on Anigo Echepare, who's a Spaniard who was at AFC Hornchurch last season. He's played in most of the games and it looks like Phil Wilson will be taking a bit more of a back seat this year. We've added Michael Kamara, one of three Dover players, to the squad. He's probably going to start right back. And in the middle, we'll probably have Terrell Forbes, a very experienced centre-back, with either one of Luis Gonzalez or Ethan Pinnock. Left-back seems a bit open. We trialled someone called Matthew Parsons, who was at Palace uh, in the two-team game this week. In the middle of midfield, Ashley Carew looks by far and away one of the best signings we've made. He's very capable. Although he hasn't played in the last couple of friendlies, which may mean an injury, I think he'll be a big player for us this year. Xavier Vidal continues to impress. He scored a great brace last week against Holmesdale. Probably should have had a hat-trick. And Emiliano Heisey is also impressed. Uh, he's another Aspire graduate. We've also taken on Jordan Hibbert, a Chelsea youth player, who might be able to play a bit further up as a number 10. On the wings, you may recognise Nairon Clunas and Dean Lodge, uh, who are going to build on the great season they had last year. And we've also got Ashley Paul Robinson, who's a powerful winger. I think he's got a really good technique. Up front, Harry Ottaway, unfortunately been injured again in pre-season, but... We trialled Lauren Hamichi and this week it announced that he was signing. So we'll probably start the season with him up top. There's also been a number of departures as well as signings. Who will we not be seeing at Champion Hill this year? 
quite a few big names, unfortunately. Ahmed Dean, who uh, made the Ryman Prem Team of the Year, has, has left. Peter Denis retired. Uh, Ian Daly, who got quite a few crucial goals for us last season, he's gone to Cray. Uh, Billy Crook, as well, has gone to Met Police. Ellis Green has also left. And uh, Mathieu Boyer has gone back to his job in France. And, of course, Erhanas Tuma has gone to Peterborough United. Do you know how he's getting on pre-season? Sounds like he's been doing alright. He uh, played in the game against Barnet and was said to do well and he scored a goal against St Neots Town just this week. So hopefully he can kick on. He picked up a bit of an injury. But he's been given the number 10 shirt by Darren Ferguson and he's well placed to be part of the uh, first team squad it seems like. No doubt many of our listeners are Dulwich Hamlet Supporters Trust members and will be keen to hear what the Trust has been up to. So here's Jack and Duncan with details. So speaking about sort of raising awareness in the local area, uh, the Trust ran a stall at the Lambeth Country Show recently. How was that, Jack? Yeah, it was busy. It was an enjoyable day. And I think uh, all credit has to go to Guy, who most people will probably know, who uh, spends a lot of time in the club shop. And it was a, a lot of effort for him and a lot of work for him to make sure that it actually happened. And we had a stall there over two days, which was promoting the club. Um, it's youth teams, the supporters teams, basically everything to do with Dulwich Hamlet. So it was really, really positive. Um, we had a kids shootout competition, so kids were able to come up with their parents and have a little go whilst we sort of tried to convert their parents during the process. So that was really good. Um, I think I might have discovered the uh, 10-year-old version of Erhan at Zuma, which was pretty exciting. <laughs> so uh, everybody can thank me in seven years' time. Um, but it was generally fantastic, and we... I think we managed to gather 337 email addresses during the course of the weekend. So that's people who might have not been to those before, might have been years before, um, and for whatever reason they've not kept coming. Um, and we were trying to sort of see how we could re-engage those people in the club. Um, and it's been fantastic. It's been, you know, credit to the, to the football committee and to the club who we've been able to work with um, and have an agreement where we're actually going to be able to send those people for free tickets at some point this season. So... Soon we'll be able to announce a game which those people are going to be invited to. Um, and hopefully they'll bring their friends down and they'll all come down for a game. And I think, you know, what we've got here is pretty unique. And I think that people, I think that people will come down, they'll enjoy it. And I'm confident that once they've been to one game, they'll want to come back again, which can only be a good thing for the club, really. Um, growing the fan base and continuing that sort of growth that we've had over the last few years which has been really positive. It was a great weekend and uh, to end the weekend we had a massive thunderstorm and rain which meant we had 20 people trapped in a Dulwich Hamlet tent trying to take shelter so we were able to sort of serenade them with uh, the rabble song list for about half an hour or so and there was a lot of positive feedback and you know we forced those people to sign up us we were going to check them out of our tent so it was really really positive I think we did chuck one person out of the tent right here Jack possibly but you know they were from Tooting so I think that's perfectly acceptable but we got loads of people signed up raised a bit of awareness and hopefully it will result in a lot of people coming to one game and in the future coming time and time again because as I say what we've got here is fantastic so anyone who's been to a pre-season game here recently would have noticed that the, uh, the bar's had a bit of a makeover. Doug, what's been going on there and what can we look forward to drinking this season? 
Well, I think the biggest driver of that is uh, the new bar manager who started in April, uh, Stephen. Uh, he's he's come down from uh, North London, which I, we can forgive him for. I think uh, he's made a, he's made a he's made a real big difference in there. Um, clearly, aesthetically, uh, um, he's made some changes to the layout and the uh, you know furniture, etc. Um, but I think one of the the biggest credits to him is that he's willing to listen to fans about what we'd like to see in the bar. Um, He's um, uh, given us the uh, the unenviable task of uh, going out to some of the local breweries to to taste some of the uh, the, the beers on offer. You might will be aware in Bermondsey there's uh, several new microbreweries uh, popping up, uh, so that's been quite a tough task over the summer for myself no, and Jack to uh, to go out and taste some of the uh, the various different beers on offer around the, the locality. Um, and I think one of our favourites is actually one of the closest uh, to the ground is uh, Peckham's Brick Brewery. Uh, they have a fantastic range of beers there um, and they will be stopped um, on the bar uh, as uh, of stillage um, for the coming season. Uh, it's not going to be pumped through one from a cellar or anything, but um, still it's, it's, it's a step in the right direction. And also, they will be have Peckham's uh, Brick Brewery's uh, bottles as well of Peckham Pills and uh, Hefeweizen behind the bar as well. Um, prefer wines and beer. And we've got lots of people who like the brewers have been fantastic. They've been really interested in what we're doing. Uh, we were offered one tooting beer, which obviously we rejected immediately. But generally, you know, it's been really, really positive and. I don't think I think Stephen would say you know it's not he's, he doesn't normally drink ale and so he's been fantastic he's let us sort of say this is what we think is nice this is what we think will sell you know can we possibly get this in and nine times out of ten he's been quite positive about it and said you know we'll do whatever we can so it's been really good and of course uh, you know as the season starts if you've got any comments about um, anything you'd like to see improved in the bar then um, Stephen himself will be willing to listen but of course uh, feel free to come to any of the trust board as well yeah, and I'm sure you've noticed as well that there's been a bit of a revamp around the bar. We've actually got seats to sit down on now, which is fairly luxurious. So there's been some uh, big changes up there. So I think it will, will. I think generally what they want to do is make it feel a bit more like home, so that you know people will come before the game and have a few drinks and not go elsewhere just because they want a decent beer. So you know, hopefully we can uh, make that happen. And I think we, we Jack, you also spoke to uh, somebody at was it the Trust uh, AGM, the board AGM, who uh, films games. Yeah, uh, yeah, absolutely. There was somebody who was saying he films every single away game. He'd be very happy to. He does nothing with it. He's got all the editing equipment, and he'd be very happy to stick it up in the bar after a home game. You can watch a game from a week before on one telly. The other end, we can have some Premiership stuff for people who like that kind of thing Um, but generally you know you can go up there you can watch a game from last week and you know we went to Stephen and we went to 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 the people involved with that and they were keen to make it happen if we think it's something that we want so you know I think that's something we'll pursue Um, because how great would that be the week after you've missed an away game let's go and watch the full unedited highlights I want to see every throw in it'll be fantastic so that's what we'll do more from Jack and Duncan later in the show after facing Harrow Borough at home on the opening day of the season Dulwich travelled to Kingstonian. We spoke to Kay's fan, Jamie Cutteridge, to get the inside track ahead of the game. So let's pick up where we left off, the final game at Champion Hill last season. What do you think of the game and what happened next? I mean, I probably enjoyed it more than your average Dulwich fan. Um, it, was a, it was a weird one, really, because I thought Kay started off really slowly and then got a goal and then just kind of held on. And It was important that we did hold on because it got a second place in the league rather than kind of having to go away midweek. But... Um, 
and then we lost in the first round of the playoffs anyway to Hornchurch in a really ugly, bitty, dirty game. Um, and it just kind of it was quite an ugly way to end the season. Really, Hornchurch didn't really set out to play football. Um, Stefan Payne, their striker, um, did his best to get who earlier in the season was accused of um, being involved in kind of spot betting and possibly kind of deliberately getting himself booked. Looked like he was trying to get himself off in this game and then got subbed after 20 minutes already after having started two fights and been booked for a separate incident. It was really weird. And it looked like it kind of disrupted Kay's flow and Hornchurch got a second half goal. And and then it was weird because Hornchurch won the game, went to Lowestoft for the final, lost the final. It later came out that three of Hornchurch's players players had played in a Sunday league game the day before the final. <laughs> I, mean, I don't know what went on with Hornchurch in the last season, but it was, it was properly odd. Um, but it was a bit of a disappointing end for Kays, really. And uh, you've had a managerial train as well. Yeah, um, Alan Dowson, um, who's been manager of Kays for, I want to say, seven years um, before this summer. And it was probably, I'd say last season was his best performance as manager. Um, he got the team playing. They had a really rocky spell in kind of January, February, but the end of the season went unbeaten for a long time, looked really good, probably favourites for the playoffs. Um, and But for some reason, he decided to call it a day. There were a few rumblings of discontent from both him and the board afterwards and it's not entirely clear what happened but um, it was a bit of a surprise actually it came out on the last day of the Premier League season and the club just tweeted it and I don't think anyone saw it coming everyone assumed I think if we hadn't made the playoffs it'd have, everyone assumed he'd go but um, after quite a successful end to the season it was definitely a surprise that he went and took kind of Gary Abbott and Sky Sports own Martin Tyler with him um, so yeah he's gone um, Tommy Williams has come in who played at Kingstonian under Douse um, and has then managed uh, at Carshalton in their kind of turbulent period when Paul Diaper was trying to call a lot of the shots. His owner Williams came in, saved him from relegation a couple of years ago. Um, so he's he's not got a lot of managerial experience, um, but he's no he knows the club, loved by fans. Um, so yeah, it, it's a bit of a no one really knows quite how he's going to do really. And uh, you mentioned going on that run. Yeah. It seems to me when. Uh, Tommy Kavanagh left to join Dulwich. Dulwich was sort of in the ascendancy. Yeah. We were first, kind of dropped to second during that period, and then slowly just went downhill, whereas with Kays it was really upward bound. After Cav left, we didn't lose a game for the rest of the season. And then there was quite a long run where he joined and you didn't win for quite a long time. It was properly weird, because I think he's a re- like first half of the season, he was probably one of Kays' two or three best players, looked really good. And then when we struggled, he looked, struck, he looked like he struggled, looked like he got quite leggy. Um, I don't know if we just got tired towards the end of the season, but um, it was a bit of a surprise when he came back to Kingstonian this summer, really. Um, I don't think it was kind of expected, but I know that, um, obviously, by the time he left Coase, it looked like perhaps we might not make the playoffs and there, there was money for him from Dulwich. Cause that, the fans kind of fundraised for that yeah, transfer, yeah. didn't they? So. Um, yeah, it was a bit of a surprise when he came back and he's, he's clearly a quality player you know he's played at the higher level with Sutton um, and very good for us at the start of last season as I say so it'd be interesting to see A how he does and uh, B how he how he plays in that Dulwich game early in the season yeah that should be should be interesting uh, who are the other new signings um, well we lost I guess talking about kind of ins and outs in the summer we lost our player of the season last year to um, Moneybags Margate who I think we all expect just to walk the league so so Ryan Moss has gone there. Um, he was player's player, fans player and manager's player of the year last season. Absolutely superb season. Scored a lot of goals but did a lot for the team. So he's the big loss really. Um, 
and we to kind of counteract that we brought in uh, Nathan Pinney mm-hmm. who was with you guys for a bit yeah, last yeah, season briefly. it's kind of emergency loan so he's obviously got quite a bit of experience up and down the leagues um, and we brought in Elvis Hammond up front as well who um, Ghanaian international Elvis <laughs> Hammond to give him his full title um, played a bit for Fulham it's a weird one he's been in jail for the last year for money laundering um, so he's like a perfect non-league signing dropped out of the football league been in jail joins Kingstonian so they're kind of the big two we've kept the kind of hub of the last squad we've also added in um, Alan Inns the centre back from Farnborough um, Chris Henry a winger but it's kind of the basis of the last squad with a couple of new strikers coming in really How have you been looking in pre-season? Well we won our first four or five games and then we haven't won in our last three so we drew a game with Whiteleaf and I think we look quite good going forward um, but then we've lost our last couple of games we lost one to Tooting um, and we lost one to Braintree um, it's difficult to draw too much into it um, and I think they're just especially with a new manager I think he's trying to find his feet find the right style of playing it sounds like we're certainly playing a more kind of progressive like passing style of football which um, was never really what Douse did you know he was kind of a physical long ball kind of manager um, get out wide kind of play but we seem to be knocking the ball around a little more a bit more confident on the ball so you know that's always a bit easier to do in pre-season than it is in the league itself so um, it's difficult to read too much in the pre-season when you've got a new manager um, and I think that's kind of the focus at the moment just how we're going to line up and how we're going to play there's no kind of Douse had a philosophy um, and it wasn't a philosophy that I was always happy with it was it was quite a route one almost caveman um, philosophy but I think the new manager is kind of beginning to work that out for himself, really. So, Dulwich play Kingstonian, uh, second game of the season. Yeah. Uh, what are your impressions of Dulwich and uh, thoughts ahead of the game? Well, it's like it's difficult to talk about Dulwich without talking about kind of the rise of the non league hipster, right? They're kind of this, in, like, there's this certain type of new non league fan, and I think there's a little bit. And I don't mean that as an insult at all, really. And um, yeah, mate, Hugo, it's mainly you. Um, with your glasses, with rims and a haircut. <laughs> Olympically on <ornate>, yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's, he, he's wearing a Gurkha shirt while doing this interview. That's exactly the kind of fan that Dulwich have attracted with your red trousers, isn't it? Don't own a pair. <laughs> no, you're the only Dulwich fan who doesn't, though. There's a lot of red trousers at Champion Hill. Um, but, it, I mean, Dulwich have attracted a certain kind of fan, and I think it's great for the rhyme. Um, and... I think other fans would like to do that, and I think certainly other clubs would like to do that. Kingstonian are kind of limited by the presence of AFC Wimbledon on our doorstep, and it means we're never going to get those kind of casual non-league fans coming. Um, I'm probably the only new case fan in the last three or four years, which, well, five or six years, um, which is quite weird. But, um, I mean, you know, the two games against Dulwich last season I thought were two of the most enjoyable games I saw, really. Clearly, Gavin Rose has created a team that likes to play football. You'll, you'll lack... Um, Oz Truma, is that his name? Mm-hmm. You know, your little Turkish fella. Um, he's going to be a big loss, and it's int- you know, I think my favourite thing about the Ryman is that you've ne- you're never really sure what what teams are going to be good. So last season, I thought Lewis were going to be right up there. They had quite a poor season. Um, so those first couple of games, it'll be interesting to see how they line up. Obviously, you know, you can say that for most teams, but Margate are obviously going to walk the league this year. But no, the games against Dulwich are always a lot of fun. It's always great because K's fans and our small numbers try and create that bit of atmosphere. But it's good when you've kind of got other fans creating atmosphere in, in the ground as well. Absolutely, and uh, you're doing some work for the programme this year. Yeah, so we're trying to kind of freshen up the case programme a little bit, um, so it'd be great like, for Dulwich fans who are listening and coming down to the game next Monday. Um, pick up a copy, 
um, I'm writing a piece about Dulwich and kind of the rise of the new kind of non-league fan and it's not just going to be insulting you and calling you hipsters but that will obviously be like a part of it as well um, <laughs> but yeah so pick that up there's some other interesting stuff in there as well um, I'm not entirely sure what's going in next week yet but yeah and this year in the Dulwich Hamlet programme there's a Ford the Hamlet advert which will make it easy for you at games to tell other people about the show who may not even know what a podcast is you can support the show by doing all your Amazon shopping through the link that is on FordTheHamlet.com and we'll get a small cut. And you can get t-shirts from FordTheHamlet.Spreadshirt.co.uk and until the 12th of August, when you spend £30, you get 20% off if you use the code SUMMER2014. Now for the final part of our interview with the Supporters Trust. So we've heard a bit, a bit about uh, what the Trust have been up to. What are your plans for the next few months, guys? So, I think probably in the next few days, certainly before before this podcast comes out, then hopefully we'll have some kind of survey up and running, uh, which we're hoping we can use to gather some of the views of supporters about the kind of elements which would be important to them in a new stadium. Because at the moment, the obviously the plans are, are quite vague. We're in the initial stages, but as a supporters trust, we want to be ready to incorporate the views of, of the supporters in, in what we're putting forward in terms of what, what we expect from a new stadium. Um, and we hope that we can use that as feedback to, to Hadley's on their consultation. Um, and so hopefully we'll have a good response. So if it, I don't know when this goes out, but if it's, uh, if it, it's going to be open for a short time, I think, but if the survey's still open, then it'd be great to hear from people, whether they're trust members or not, and just some of their views about what they, what they hope for from any, any kind of new stadium. Um, I think that Hadley's have said, you know, from the start, they've been quite open that they don't see themselves as football owners in the long term. No, indeed. So yeah. I think we need to be ready to to sort of research alternative ownership models and whether or or whether not that's a role that the trust takes in that. Um, so I think that's something we need to explore further, definitely. Yeah, I think that'll be uh, more of a kind of medium to long term aim for the trust um, in the coming uh, two to three years. Um, to look at uh, models of supporter ownership in the uh, in the football club, um, and, I mean, I think if we're not looking at this seriously, then we're probably not really doing our job as a supporters trust to look at um, ownership or part ownership of the football club. And Hadley's have made it very clear, as Jack has said, that they don't want to be a long-term owner of the football club. Uh, we don't want to be in a situation when they've done the development and had enough that it gets passed into the hands of um, some undesirable uh, person to take over the club. Uh, particularly someone from North London, for example, that would be an absolute nightmare. <laughs> so we want to make sure that um, the club gets into the right hands at least and the supporters trust or some form of a supporters trust organisation has a role in the club, whether that's full ownership, part yeah. ownership, yeah. That's, you know, that's all to be looked into. Um, so I think um, we will be spending a lot of time as the board members in the coming year working with um, others supporters trust movements to look at what's worked and what's not worked across the country. Um, we've got um, good examples in London. I mean, Enfield's just up the road um, in our own league, and Lewis have um, owned their club. Um, and I think, Jack, you've been in conversation with Dorchester already on this. Yeah, Dorchester have been in, in touch with us uh, via one of the Lambeth County show days, actually, just to say, you know, a few of their board members came over and they're a club at similar standards to us. Um, and there's some of the positives and some of the negatives of taking over a club. So they can, they can offer some, uh, some advice. Um, 
And it's just important that we, you know, whatever we decide to do, that we're well aware of the potential outcomes of whatever decision we make. So, you know, we're, we're definitely doing the research and the hard work which is needed to, to, to sort of find out what we need to know before any of that happens. And I don't think I'll become a surprise to many, but I do have two football clubs in my life. Um, some, some say, you know, Portsmouth fans say that I'm cheating on them, and Dulwich fans think I'm wasting too much time in Portsmouth. Yeah. I, I just think I've got you know, a room for love for both clubs. No, we want Dulwich thing, not Pompey Dome. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, I mean, I, I obviously have a lot of friends and contacts down at Portsmouth, um, and myself, I'm a, um, I'm a shareholder in the Portsmouth Supporters Trust, so I now own part of my football club down on the south coast. Um, so I I'm, I'm, will be looking to... Uh, speak to some of my contacts down there and get their help and guidance on what worked and what didn't for the Portsmouth Supporters Trust in the, a year and a half ago when uh, uh, we took over our uh, club down there. Um, there's definitely lessons to learn there. Um, it's obviously a much bigger scale. Um, they raised about £4 million from the Supporters Trust and through fans buying normal shares in the club. Um, I don't, you know, obviously we can't achieve that at Dulwich. But I don't think we, need, we don't need to achieve that kind of amount anyway because it's a much much uh, it's, a, it's a completely different scale. Um, but I mean I think we you know we have we have uh, different expertise on the board that we can uh, bring to the table as we look into these models. I think if we if we're honest, then perhaps what we're lacking around the board table is um, professional uh, uh, commercial legal advice um, and Maybe finance. Yeah, financial account, accounting um, uh, skills. Um, but we do have two spaces on uh, the board of the Sports Trust and we are very, very keen to, uh, to fill those um, and would be looking to people with those expertise to, to come onto the board. It would be really fantastic if we could bring that to the mix uh, so we can make a real um, uh, 100% effort over the next year to look into these uh, various models. Absolutely. And I think as well the, the Trust is quite fortunate at the moment. I know that... You know, it's been it's sometimes difficult to get people to to volunteer to be to be part of part of the board. But I know there's four new people who have come in um, coming this year, so the trusts have probably got a bit more in terms of resources than they have in recent years. So I know that it's a good opportunity for us to uh, sort of increase the, the regular external communication, make sure people are aware of what's going on. And I think there's always going to be uh, times when there's sensitive information that maybe. You know, we can't provide, and I know people will appreciate that, but hopefully we can have something where we've got uh, good transparency so that our members are aware of what we're discussing uh, within board work, b- within board meetings, um, and also just so that people are aware of the sort of ongoing work of the trust generally. But yeah, I mean, think our first principle um, in the coming year will be to be transparent uh, and to make everything we do available on the website or come and speak to us or through Facebook or Twitter. Um, but obviously... You know, sometimes we, we want to develop a close relationship with Hadley and they'll have commercially confidential information that we, we can't go tweeting about. Yeah, of course, of course. I think I'd like to think that we can look to increase the sort of membership of the trust because at the moment this is a really important time for the club. One of the most important times in sort of recent history really where we really need to make sure that we're we're doing a good job and we're pushing for a sort of secure and thriving future for the football club. So I think that if, if any of the things that we've discussed sound like they're things which people want to get involved with or if people think that they're things which are important to them, then I would massively encourage people to come and have a chat with us or to consider joining the Trust. It's £10 for two years. You can join up at the shop on a match day. It's really straightforward. Or you can join up via the website, um, which is dhst.org.uk. So it's really straightforward. Um, and at the end of the day, I know there's a lot of people who care about this trust, about this club. So 
you know, joining the trust is a natural step for me, I think, in, in trying to make sure we've got a secure future. Forward the Hamlet is fortnightly. It will be released every other Tuesday on forwardthehamlet.com and on iTunes. So subscribe, leave a rating and a comment if you have time. If you'd like to get in touch with us, we're on Twitter at forwardhamlet or you can send us an email forwardthehamlet at gmail.com or track us down at a game. At the Harrow Borough game, the new Dulwich Hamlet fanzine, The Moral Victory, will be on sale, so be sure to grab a copy of that. Forward the Hamlet is on the Holdfast Network.